blood moon has risen, it is time to tell stories of the strange and sometimes terrifying. A black cat brings us a true story. A vampire bat bites into a tall tail. An owl flies in a story from other worlds. This is Blood Moon Podcast. I'm your Blood Moon host, Andrew Carey. If you have a strange story or terrifying tale you want brought to life, please make your submission at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Now, turn up the sound and turn off the lights. Our animal totems have stories to tell. Hauntings are not restricted to land, and apparitions are not always the souls of the departed. We sail the high seas with this black cat story about the phantom ship. SS Tennessee cuts through the Pacific en route to San Francisco during the early hours of March 6, 1853. A thick blanket of fog enveloped the steamer, creating low visibility as the vessel approached shallow waters. Jagged rocks take shape through the gray veil, and Captain Mellis gives the order to back the ship. But It's too late. The Tennessee slammed against the rocks. Two more attempts to back the ship failed as the shoal water possessed the steamer, pounding it into the outcropping. The rough waves swept the damaged Tennessee to Indian Cove, where it came to rest on a slice of land. All the passengers survived and were rescued by the SS Goliath. 
89 years later, the Wix-class destroyer, USS Kennison, moved through San Francisco Bay. It was a calm night as the destroyer approached the Golden Gate Bridge. Serviceman Jack Cornelius peered through the dense fog from the Kennison's deck when he noticed that something was amiss. A dark mass slowly displaced the layers of mist. The vigilant sailor called for the other crewmen. They watched in disbelief as an old steamer suddenly breached the fog. Fearing a collision, the warship goes on alert. The antiquated wooden vessel narrowly passes the destroyer. There was no crew. A crewman caught the name on the side of the steamer. Tennessee. The sailors watched on as the derelict ship was absorbed by the fog and vanished from sight. After the encounter, the witnesses were told that the Tennessee did not appear on the Kennison's radar. Babysitting can be fun, and at times, it can be daunting, or should I say, haunting. A vampire bat sinks its fangs into a tale called The Crib Shadow. staying at my brother's place babysitting my niece. They had the baby camera and TV set up so I could keep a close eye on her. I was studying and started dozing off when I heard some whispering. I realized it was coming from the monitor. I initially thought it was some feedback, but when I looked at the TV, there was a dark shadow near my niece's crib. I have never been more terrified in my life, but the shadow was clearly there. It had not been there before. I ran to my niece's room and looked around and saw nothing, but I took her out of there. I went back to the TV and the shadow was gone. I told my brother what happened and he pulled me aside and said, I know, I know, but don't mention it to my wife. She'll freak out. I 
I've seen it too, and heard them whispering many times. He also said he had seen the same thing several times now, with the same whispering. They stayed in that house for about four more years. When my niece was just learning to talk, she would tell her mom about her special friend. To this day, it scares the crap out of me. After they moved out, my brother told me that my niece had become inconsolably sad because she would miss her friend. Her mom would tell her, You could bring him along with us. But my niece would say, He can't leave the house. We have never to this day told her about that shadow. And she apparently never saw it. George Lunsford, the author of Legends, Myths, Monsters, and Ghosts, Volume 4, has brought us a blood-chilling account from his book. It takes us back 97 years to an area known as Ape Canyon, where miners were terrorized by demon apes. story in Washington about a group of Bigfoot creatures attacking some miners. In July of 1924, in the lower Columbia region, a fascinating tale of harrowing escape from mysterious violent creatures. The Daily News first reported the tale on behalf of five gold miners who ventured toward Mount St. Helens on the night of July 12th. The men returned from their work, not with gold, but with claims they had fought off giant ape men who seemed to appear from nowhere. Kelso resident Marion Smith was the group's main mouthpiece when speaking to the Daily News. Smith claimed he was the first one to discover 13-inch long, four-toed footprints along the mountain path. The group continued to the cabin where they stayed for the night, but their story does not end here. The group said they awoke to the sounds of rocks slamming into the cabin. They looked out to see what was going on, and they saw shaggy ape men standing roughly seven feet tall, looming in the shadows outside their cabin. They told TDN that these creatures threw 200 good-sized rocks at them over the entire night. The group claimed that they had fired at the creatures using guns they had brought with them. Thank you. 
Smith said he hit one ape man in the chest four or five times, to no effect. By dawn, though, the creatures had supposedly given up, and the men were free to return home and tell their tale. In response to these stories, the United States Forest Service sent a team to search the site and were soon followed by several enthusiastic amateurs. Most of these people sought the $100,000 reward, roughly $1.5 million today, being offered by whom is not clear, for the live capture of what were being called demon apes. By July 15th, these first groups returned empty-handed, except for one small revelation. The Forest Service confirmed that the cabin existed, and that there were rocks there. There was no mention of tracks or giant hominids. The report did nothing to diminish interest. Surprisingly, it was not only these men who had been attacked, but other people were coming forward with similar stories. The July 17th issue of the Daily News, Wilson Burdick of Kelso eagerly recounted to newspapers a story told to him by a camp blacksmith identified only as Charlie, involving a chase by a wild beast through the woods. wanted more wild tales of mysterious creatures and passed these along as evidence. News was starting to spread beyond the region. Radio crews and even a Portland-based film company arrived in the area to investigate the reports. On July 18th, TDN interviewed Cowlitz tribe member Frank Wanasay, wondering if local folklore had any such accounts. Wanasay scoffed at the story. He told TDN that there were stories of large hairy bipedal creatures in the area known as the Siatkos, but that they were harmless and very elusive. A local man from the area known as Harry Sanders chimed in with his own theories. He claimed to be the grandson of an Indian princess to lend credence to his claims. Sanders wove the story of the Siatko into a story of a lost tribe known as the Siatko that had once inhabited the area of Tenino, Washington, in which he said still occasionally wander in the area. He also described an encounter of his own, coming upon a large ape man who was creeping up on a deer with a rock in each hand. Sanders's story was supported by Jorg Totsky, the then editor of the Real American magazine, 
a so-called self-proclaimed Indian expert. Totsky said Sanders' story mostly made sense, and that the lack of evidence was due to Siatko customs. The reason no one could find evidence, Totsky said, was that this tribe never abandoned their dead, and that even extended to never leaving behind stray hairs. People were gradually becoming more skeptical as the stories became more outlandish. Ultimately, the tale of the Mount St. Helens ape-men was pushed off the front page by a much more important event. On July 26th, Weyerhaeuser purchased two small parcels of riverfront land on the Columbia for $100,000. Readers found news of the demon ape hunt far less compelling as the new mill prepared to open. People had largely lost interest. The story had enough staying power in the area where the attack allegedly took place was given the name Ape Canyon. The blood moon is setting. Thank you, George Lunsford, for sharing an account from the book Legends, Myths, Monsters, and Ghosts, Volume 4. You can find this book and his other fascinating volumes on Amazon. Learn more about the author at authorgeorgelunsford.x10host.com. Links are in the episode's notes. The Phantom Ship was researched and written by Andrew Carey. The Crib Shadow is an anonymous creepypasta. Sources are in the show's notes and at bloodmoonpodcast.com. Music and sound effects by Blood Moon Podcast. Other sound effects are from freesound.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>